Hello and welcome to the Media and Marketing Podcast. My name is John Reynolds, the host of the podcast, which features interviews with luminaries from the world of media and marketing. Today I've got another great guest. I am joined by John O'Donnell, Managing Director of ESI uh, Commercial, which in layman's terms means is the head honcho, the head commercial guy for the London Evening Standard and the independent titles, along with other titles. Uh, thanks for joining me to, uh, today, John. Just Pleasure. for the listeners, can you just tell us where we're carrying out this podcast? Uh, I can indeed, yes, and uh, first of all, thank you very much, John, for having me on. It's a uh, great pleasure to be in your company again. Um, yeah, where are we? Well, we're in uh, ESI Towers, otherwise known as uh, Northcliffe House in uh, Kensington, and we are currently in the Goldfish Bowl that is my office, uh, looking at working uh, sales team out there. So, please, welcome. Okay, no, that's great. So, uh, we tried to do this interview, I think, a week or two ago, but you've yeah. actually... You're at uh, Adweek New York, which is quite a big thing now. Uh, I guess that's quite topical because there's, um, uh, I think the new boss at Publicis has, has said that next year he's not going to be um, sending uh, employees to the Cannes Leon Festival, simply down to the expense. I mean, it's quite interesting from someone like yourself in the media industry. What do you actually get out of a, a big event like Adweek New York? Well, I mean... The main reason that we were over there actually was not necessarily for Advertising Week New York. Um, we were actually over there because we have an office there uh, with you know a good um, six to ten sales and ad ops people, and we also have about ten, uh, I think rising soon to fifteen um, editorial people. So you know we have a, a decent function over there. I was speaking, I was speaking on a, a couple of panels there, but actually that wasn't the primary reason for okay. the trip. Uh, the main reason for going over to New York was because we have an office in New York that looks after the uh, the independent brand and now uh, beginning to sort of take on the Evening Standard brand for its sort of digital products as well. And so that was the primary reason to go over there. I was meeting with the team. I was uh, We were talking about kind of um, uh, the, the strategy for the next financial year and we were out seeing various agencies and clients as well to talk about the brand. So that was a primary reason for the visit. Um, the secondary reason was actually that it happened to coincide with Adweek. So um, yeah. we went over there, or Advertising Week rather, and um, so I was able to sort of take in a few sessions and, and sort of you know take, get the temperature of, of that event. I hadn't actually been there before. Okay. So it was it was a good um, it was good for me uh, you know your creds out there if you like but I think more importantly they're just a really good opportunity to network either around people that you know really well but perhaps don't always get the time to talk to uh, to the degree you might like in the sort of daily daily sort of uh, grind of work um, but you know also you meet a lot of new people and then sort of get to have some really interesting conversations so I mean I, I'm a big fan I'm a big supporter I think the real question is about the level of degree to which you kind of dive into these things you know and for us I think we generally I mean you mentioned can earlier on yeah. I mean can we generally you know like to go we don't make a huge huge amount of uh, sure. a splash there we prefer to sort of go out and meet people and, and, and network okay no that's fantastic just slight change of tact it'd be great to get your opinion there's lots of um big newspaper stories in the media at the moment um, yep. one of them which I'm sure seems to crop up every year was the possible sale of Metro newspaper which is a free title uh, that's owned by the Daily Mail group I think this has subsequently been rebutted that it's not for sale but at, at the time I think it was a few weeks ago there was a talk about um, Evgeny Lebedev who obviously owns the London Evening Standard actually being interested in buying Metro obviously Metro and the Evening Standard used to be owned by as you know the Daily Mail group so just although that story probably isn't true is there, uh, uh, is there an argument is there cost savings for putting those two papers together Metro and Evening Standard 
<laughs> You're laughing. Uh, yeah, I am laughing. I mean, clearly, you'd have to ask Evgeny Lebedev about that. It's not anything that I'm uh, party to. Uh, I think there's a lot of talk around consolidation and everything else, and I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I haven't even considered that, nor would I even think about answering it. But I think, you know, consolidation is a is a hot topic at the moment. I think. You know, for some titles, I can see why that might be an approach that they would take. I think for us, it's not necessarily about cost savings. It's about growth. And it's about, you know, who can we work with? Who can we collaborate with to to find growth? You know, it isn't about, you know, who should we mash together with in order to find savings? Whether that be, you know anybody it doesn't necessarily mean us so you know to be honest we concentrate on our own strategy and our own brands and our own people and you know try to drive success that way okay now that's a fair answer so there was following on from that i mean to talk about the um you talked about consolidation express newspapers they're obviously uh that's the publisher of the daily express and the star that's going to be sold to uh trinity mirror so i guess it does make a lot of sense and this sort of taps into the I think it's called, is it, is it Project Juno, yeah, this yeah. joint sales initiative, which I don't think it's got up and running. Yeah. But there is a, a, a you know a good cost-saving argument for this sort of joint sales initiative across newspapers, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I can't comment on um, you know individual um, uh, you know proposed yeah. sales work because I don't know enough about it. It's not my place to do so. I mean, as I say, the... The project is it is it Juno now or is it Arena? I think it might, it I think it might have changed. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. Anyway, right, but um, I mean, you know, we weren't part of that and didn't want to be part of that from the beginning, primarily because I think we're in a very different space. You know, we're yeah. not a paid-for newspaper. We're not a national newspaper. You know, we are a a London-facing, you know, stable circulation print title, and we are a kind of massively growing international um, group of uh, digital propositions. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the independent is more akin now to the pure play world than it is to the traditional publishing world and yeah. similarly you know the standard you know is a fantastic driving force within London that is aimed mm. towards a London audience and has a very stable circulation so okay. you know yeah. sales pitch aside I think the bottom line is we are very very different so I can see why other titles might want to group together and look at you know cost um, efficiencies etc etc but as I say for me it shouldn't just be about efficiencies it should be about you know trying to find the path to growth because ultimately you know we have fantastic audiences in this sector i think we've got fantastic brands i think we have you know an amazing amount of quality content and i don't believe that we are necessarily getting the value back and so i think anything that um, brings together that kind of thinking yeah. uh, I think is a good thing but as I said okay. before I would always for me for me and my business you know I always kind of look for collaboration you know mm. over consolidation anyway okay um, another story which I think came out a few weeks ago is a new investor in the independent uh, <laughs> whose name I'm going to struggle to pronounce here Sultan Mohammed Abdul Jadil um, so he's taken a stake up to 50% in the titles. Um, Do you so, want my inside leg measurement in a minute as well, actually? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I think any investment in the products is good. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's uh, the independent is, you know, one of the fastest growing um, news sites in the world at the moment. You know, sure. we are now the sixth uh, biggest news brand in America. I think, you know, we are in a fabulous position. And so I think there are clearly parts of the world that we would like to gain a stronger foothold into. And any investment that allows us to continue yeah. that growth, I think, is fantastic. Okay. Um, okay. So let's take a, a back step. Let's talk about the um, the Evening Standard first. So yeah. the ABC figure it's doing around eight hundred and fifty thousand circulation. So I guess 
I mean, I'm not that close to it now, but I don't think there's been any significant changes in numbers. So you're happy with that number? Yeah, we, we are, you know, we're, we're very stable. You know, we are, we are, you know, delivering pretty much the same amount of copies every single day. Um, you know, we have not really changed year on year, um, which is exactly what we said to advertisers that would be the case. And I think, you know, when you look at that against the backdrop of, of decline elsewhere, I think, you know, this is the reason why our market share is, is increasing. And the fact that, you know, we've still delivered on our... Um, you know, I promise that basically the quality would remain the same. I think is extremely uh, encouraging. So, and it's not surprising that you know big brands are sort of continuing to talk to us about you know deeper levels of partnership. Okay, so I mean, I don't see as many, or maybe I don't read it as much, but as many cover wraps on the standard as maybe I did a few. I mean, you talked about sort of those partnerships, deeper partnerships. What is, is there any examples you can talk about how that's changed? Maybe. Um, I think there is a lot more collaboration, particularly with us, uh, across editorial and um, commercial than there probably, you know, ever has been in the past. I think you know that's always an evolving relationship, and I think it's absolutely, you know, continually going in the right direction. I think. You know, we did some fantastic work recently for uh, Sky for Game of Thrones, where we created a um, translucent wrap uh, for mm-hmm. the um, for the launch of Game of Thrones yeah. season seven, which was fantastic. Um, and then we reproduced painstakingly reproduced actually uh, the um, a cover and uh, copy of the Evening Standard for the launch of Dunkirk uh, for Warner Brothers and so we created a kind of upside down uh, fake copy of the paper Mm -hmm. uh, which we you know had some 1940s vendors giving out on the streets uh, around London and you know what was brilliant about it is it not only was it um, you know talked about in the press through you know being on the seats of of, of people at the premiere so people like mm. Prince Harry and everyone were picking mm, it up sure. um, but actually editorially we for both of those examples we actually the editorial team picked up on the content and actually echoed it through the cartoon within the paper as well which oh, really? just shows a real great level of yeah. collaboration I mean most recently today we've just launched the um, San Miguel Rich List which I think is a really really yeah. brilliant piece of content um, which is all about life experience so it's not about you know richness in terms of wealth it's talking about richness in terms of experience and so you know have a look at it it's fantastic but well, there's that okay. and then there's loads of stuff that we produced online where we have a 360 video of um uh, someone on the Matterhorn which is absolutely fantastic really really good okay. so you know I think there's some fantastic examples of how you know we're doing much greater work in terms of raps you know raps are very very tactical you know there is no better way of getting a massive message out to a huge amount of people in one time mm. which is why I think you know people still choose raps for you know big launches or impactful tactical messages okay. what about obviously we had the sad demise of Monarch and the woes of Ryanair. Are they were they big advertisers with you or what's I mean who if I open up the paper now, who are they who are the big advertisers in, in the printed paper? Uh, I mean, in the Evening Standard, entertainment still, you know, is a big um, category for us, as you would expect. I mean, yeah. going out is a uh, major part of life in the capital, so you'd expect that to be sure. echoed by the um, you know the verticals that sort of. Uh, the drivers, um, but I think you know, telco and retail continue to be really, really big um, parts of our business. But you know, again, we are we're, we're lucky in that we have our business spread across a broad, broad range of categories. So I mean, it's always sad when you see um, 
you know, clients fall by the wayside like Monarch, and I think it's sad when, you know, companies like Ryanair come into the kind of difficulties that they mm. have because they impact the consumer, and of course that's not good for for anyone. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we try to work with clients to try and help them sort of work through these things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously, there's been. I think Grenfell's been a massive news story, not just for the Evening Standard, but I guess for the national press. I mean, this is more maybe of an editorial question, but from your perspective, I mean, you're obviously a senior person on the Evening Standard. How important is it, do you think, for the Evening Standard to really sort of take ownership of that story? I mean, obviously it's in the in the area, isn't it? And I think the Evening Standard has written an awful lot about Grenfell. I mean, that's a story that will keep on... Well. I mean, so first and foremost, the clue is in the title, you know, it's the London Evening Standard. Um, and not only that, you know, we're in the same borough pretty much as, yeah, as Grenfell. Yeah. So I think, you know, that immediately puts us front and centre of the story. I think when the news first broke and it became really apparent about the level of displacements and horror that this was causing... We were very clear from the beginning that we wanted to take a leadership position on it, and I think yeah. that was absolutely right. I think what was really interesting um, was that within 24 hours of this happening, uh, I took phone calls from you know Spencer, JC Deco, and a whole host of other people who wanted to offer us inventory um, in order to try and drive money for the appeal. And oh, really? I thought that was a really yeah fantastic example of the media community coming together to try and help a you know a very very desperate and worthy cause and so I think it is right that we take that position and I think it's right that we continue to hold those people who were ultimately responsible for this to account you know that's what the evening standard Mm. is all about that's what it's meant for so it is an editorial question Mm. but you know I live and breathe the product and I read the products every day and I think it's really important that we talk about the issues that affect Londoners and clearly yeah. Grenfell, knife crime, yeah. you know, poverty, all of these things are, are yeah. things, you know, at the moment modern slavery is a yeah. campaign that we're currently running and I think these things are really important. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's a very good answer. So you've obviously, I'm not going to dwell too much on George, George Osborne's editorship, but I mean, you've obviously... You've been on the, at the standard for a period of time now. I guess you've had how many editors have you worked with? Uh, four, if you include Veronica Wadley, who yeah. was here for I think about a week when I was here actually. Who were the other? Who were the other one? Uh, Jordy, so, Jordy Gregg, Jordy Gregg, Sarah Sands, and okay. then uh, yeah, and obviously now George Osborne. Have you have you noticed any difference with him at all, or is he? No, I mean he looks exactly the same as Sarah Sands. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean look, there are differences between them, but they're they're different people. So I think all of them. Have different backgrounds, different, um, sure. different, you know, perspectives, and I think that's great. I think, you know, for me, what I want from an editor is I want someone who has real vision and and passion for the product. I want someone, you know, who really knows where they want it to go, um, and that goes way beyond, you know, the nuts and bolts of editing a product. It's it's about kind of, you know, what is the mission, what is the purpose mm. of this, and so, mm. you know, all three of them have had that in spades, but just very very different. And I feel, you know, very privileged to have to have worked with all of them. Does he? I, I always wondered this when he got the job. I always yeah. envisaged that he would be as one of the. Um, sort of ideas or benefits of having him would be he would be wheeled out in front of 
advertisers because people obviously are interested in what he's got to say I mean is he used in that capacity at all do you have yeah I mean I'm not sure that he would necessarily uh, wheeled out you know, high five me for the term wheeled out <laughs> yes um, but no, I mean, look, from day one he was very very keen to get involved uh, with the business um, you know he, he you know is fully aware of, of our ambitions and where we want to get to and obviously you know part of him taking the role that he was very much on board with that and so you know within I think literally and I don't think I'm wrong in saying this I think within the first two weeks maybe uh, we had created a series of meet and greets which you know we both yeah. agreed would happen together okay. and we saw you know all major clients we saw major agencies yeah. um, you know both from the the sort of creative side the buying side the planning side you know and senior chiefs we had kind of you know covered off um, yeah. the majority of people very quickly and that was because he was very keen to um, to meet them and find out what their challenges were what their pressures yeah. were and you know how he could probably possibly help them yeah. um, through the through the brands and so I think since then we've done a number of uh, sort of dinners and lunches and conversations uh, with a number of sort of you know key agency groups mm. and on top of that he is out speaking to you know an awful lot of CEOs all the time and of course you know as well as um, you know looking at from an editorial perspective he's also having conversations about you know how we can potentially yeah. help them commercially so I think okay. yeah. all of that is extremely progressive and exactly what you'd, you'd want from an editor okay so you mentioned the independent before um, and it is doing I looked at the um, ABC called ABC e-figures and it's I think there's something like 6.5 million daily unique browsers so um, I guess the argument is it's had a, a quite a good, a seamless transition from being a <laughs> quite a good transition. <laughs> yeah, I think that's from being a, a, a good print, solid understatement. But a, yeah, a print to a, an online because there was questions about. I mean, a lot of journalists I think did leave, didn't they? But some did stay too. But I mean, what's I mean, maybe from an advertising perspective, well, you can talk a bit about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think for us, almost every decision we we've made, people have. have um, you know, questioned that everybody thought that we were bonkers to take the Evening Standard free, and I think most people would mm. universally say that not only was it the right decision, but it's also probably a better product, um, and of course it's read by a lot more people. And so, I think everyone assumed that was a success. Everybody thought that, you know, the independents they they came to us with the same sort of questions, and I, you know, ultimately going free for the independent was not going to be the right answer. We always knew, we always knew that. Um, going digital was the right um, uh, platform for the independent and the reason for that is because you know when you've got about you know 20 odd thousand people buying a copy every day and then you've mm. got um, X number of million people reading it digitally then you know pretty much how they're trying to engage with your content and so for us it was a very very simple decision the question really was when and so you know when we got the opportunity to sell the eye we knew that we could therefore use that as the opportunity to then transition the business so for us actually mm. as ESI Media it made our entire portfolio a much more streamlined a much more refined a much more um, efficient proposition and with the independent particularly it just meant that we were able to concentrate on the strengths of that brand. Now, I think the challenge that businesses have, and this term is bandied around a lot, is that when they talk about digital first, our view was we very much believed that it was a bit of a fudge, quite frankly, because the point of being digital first is that there is something else there, and you are always making decisions about prioritising either print or digital, and that means that one of them will have to lose out. 
for us, we just didn't want to keep having to make those kind of decisions. We wanted to be liberated to kind mm. of make the decisions that were right for the audience and right for the product. So I think since going digital only, we've been able to do that, which is why, as I say, we're one of the fastest growing um, you know, digital news brands in the world. You know, We are the biggest pure play in the UK as a result of it. So in the UK, bigger than BuzzFeed, bigger than HuffPo, bigger than all of these guys. So you know, I think... We made a pretty big statement when we went there, but I think we always knew that it was the right decision. I think from a revenue perspective, whilst I won't give you the, the exact details of the of the performance, we are significant double digit up year on year. And I think the most I think the most telling fact actually is that the revenue that we generated in year one of the independent as a digital product was actually more than the revenue generated in the final year of the print product. So in terms of people talking yeah. about one not offsetting the other I think that was a really significant benchmark for us so and again we believe it you know completely validates our decision to do so and I'm sure we're probably not going to be the last people to do so okay I just uh, uh, before I came I, re I read a story about this um, slight change of tact about the new ad platform where showcasing which stories are, are trending I don't know on the websites and then basically advertisers can cherry pick out the next to it is that, is that for the uh, maybe I misread the story. Yeah. Is that for the Evening Standard or the Independent? I'm sure I saw something about that. Some real-time advertising, where you oh, got. Oh no, 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 no. And maybe no, I've got the wrong way. Sorry, yeah, yeah, no. no you, you, oh, I didn't explain it very well. No, terribly, terribly. <laughs> yeah, no. This is uh, this is this is about data, John. Data. We'll, we'll do another <laughs> session on that later. No, what this is, this is a product that we created called ESI Real Time. So essentially, is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, right. Okay. So what ESI Real Time is, is it's effectively it's our chart beat data stream. And every day or every minute, we, we basically get the data stream that tells you exactly who's reading what for how long and how many people. And so we can see what the top trending stories are. What we've done with ESI Real Time is we basically created a number of um, uh, sort of bespoke ways in which agencies and clients can access it. So okay. rather than it just sitting on a floor in our you yeah. know, editorial floor, for example, um, each client now will be able to access it. So they will be able to see at any one point in time uh, what the top trending stories are and they can then um, plan or buy um, spots next to those um, uh, articles programmatically. So the idea being that if a big mm. news story breaks about a particular film with a particular actor, that you know Warner Brothers or Sony yeah. can immediately then okay. um, you know create some uh, some some content to, to put around that. So I think you know for us, I think it's you know, it's an obvious next step. Yeah, I think it's you sure. know that it's it's. We just wanted our customers to have access to the same um, information that we did so that they could basically plan and buy more effectively. And that's essentially what the piece of uh, work is. It just re pulls into all of our basically audience segmentation uh, capabilities and just marries it up to the, um, the um, editorial data stream. Yeah. yeah, just before, I just wanted to move on to talk a bit about media and media agencies. But before I do that, just I didn't really ask about... Um, Evgeny Lebedev, is he still about a lot or do you see yeah, him? Very, or much so, very much so, yeah, you know, I mean, we have regular board meetings where Evgeny's there, and if Evgeny wants to know about a piece of business, he's, he's very much on okay. the phone, you know, he's an extremely uh, supportive owner, um, you know, he's he's very, very keen on the business being a success, and he's, you know, very, um, you know, he's always been very happy to listen to um, discussions about planning for growth, so, yeah, he's very much involved in the business. You think you'll buy any more papers then or not? <laughs> You keep trying to ask me this question. You're still going to get the same answer. I am it's, so. It's, it's I have no idea. Who knows? I've okay. absolutely no idea. Okay, so I'll let you know. You will be the first person to know, John. I'm sure that. So, um, regarding media agencies, yeah. obviously you know them well. What's the? They seem to be coming in for 
uh, quite a bit of criticism. I don't know if there's always coming for criticism um, about some of the tran well, transparency issues. I guess have always been long-standing issues. But I mean, do you think the media agency of today will that look different in five or ten years' time? What changes do you think they have to? I don't know, clean up their act as well. well I think they need think, to change. You know, I mean, you, you, you're better off talking to the media agencies yeah. about it. But I, I mean, I think for me, I think the media agency of today is very different to the media agency 10 years ago. And I think probably the media agency in 10 years' time will be very different again. I mean, you know, the very nature of the, the agency world is it has to be uh, adaptable, it has to be iterative, it has to constantly face change. And in the same way that we do as media owners, I don't think anybody is in a particularly different spot. You know, the world is changing at a, you know, phenomenally, it's a ferocious pace. And, and I think everybody's, you know, trying to work out what the what the best model and the best way is. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, agencies will continue to do a brilliant job of finding their way through that. And I think each of them have... Um, unique ways of, of delivering that and I think that's the key thing I think you know you you, you ask it about is, is this the right model is this not, you know it, there's no such thing as a right or wrong model I think you know ultimately it's about creating the best model that allows the best access to the audience in the most efficient way possible and I think you know for us it's about making sure that there is a strong value exchange between you know what we are what we're delivering together and making sure that we're all creating the best work um, and the be delivering the best value for, for customers you know but ultimately yeah I think of course everything will change this place will change you know and I think that's a good thing so you think, well, do you think there'll be fewer media agencies in the future? Will I, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. You know, I think there is room for as many media agencies uh, as there are as there are clients and as there is interest, providing you know they are they all offer a um, you know something different and they're, they're all really clear on what it is that their their yeah, unique sure. um, offering okay. is. Okay. So uh, the there's a, a whole uh, slate of stories about the um, the problems of programmatic. Advertising earlier this year it was that, was that overegged or I mean is that still a concern for brands? I think uh, if you talk uh, to you know face if you talk to Google they'll say um, the figures they're saying it's quite a small problem. Are, right you, are you talking in terms of um, ads appearing yeah. in the open marketplace yeah. Yeah. Uh, across um, inappropriate sites? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a massive problem. I think it's an absolutely massive problem, um, and I think you know clients need to you know either be more aware of it or do more about it because I think ultimately. You know, just because you can access an audience at a cheap price doesn't mean you're going to do so in potentially the most efficient way. Um, you know, and also, and it's not necessarily about appearing in highly inappropriate content. It's about appearing in, in you know, in um, in just you know, not particularly valuable content. Mm. I mean, you know, you look at something like. Um, the train line or, or you know an example like that you're clearly going to get a lot of traffic going through it mm. um, and you're probably going to get you'll be able to get a decent um, audience segment out of it but are they going to be particularly engaged to look at buying a new set of golf clubs or a new um, Cervelo bike when actually mm. all they want to know is what time the train to crew is I think not and so I think this is where the power of you know news brands like ourselves really comes into play because you are talking about truly brand safe environments you're talking about mm. you know where there is absolute trust and integrity in the content um, you know and where you know where the, the consumer is getting much much better a, a, a sort of better engagement level with that content and so they're going to be in a much better frame of mind to you know for, for brands to resonate with them and I think that's really key and so you know I don't want to get into the, the no, Google no. or Facebook debate or anything like that okay. but I just think you know I think brands have to do more about that and I think you know the 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 value of um, 
putting advertising in you know products like ours or, or other news brands I think is absolutely tantamount I should be right up in front on the client's agenda okay right yeah okay that's uh, fair enough okay I think we're shortly going to wrap things up but just um, I always like to end with a few softball questions right okay. so we're in the home straight now so you've obviously worked in um, newspapers I think predominantly did you ever was there never any appeal in moving to TV, radio, agency <laughs> side? Is it, you, you too, too old for that now? Do you know, no, yeah, too old for that, how dare you? Um, no, I mean, my ambition was always to um, work for the uh, for ESI Media, and I always uh, wanted to, uh, you know, effectively <laughs> create that single-handedly. Um, yeah, no, listen, clearly you're not going to get a sensible answer to that. You know, I've always, I've always, do you know what? Ever since I were, did a paper round, uh, I've always been very, very interested in the newspaper world. I think ultimately, you know, these are some of the most influential brands in the world. I think the the history and the legacy, I think, is absolutely. Um, incredible and I think it's extremely valuable and for me to get the chance to be part of shaping that conversation is really important mm. and I think everybody here um, sees the value in that and they see the enjoyment in it so you know I mean listen I think there's some really interesting stuff going on in other businesses as well but personally I'm really proud of what we've done I think we've got a fantastic team I think our editorial teams produce some amazing work so quite frankly right now I'm not sure I'd really want to be anywhere else Fair enough. And any, any industry bugbears or anything? Any, any new sort of or long-standing annoyances with people or anything you'd like to see change, either either major or minor? Or yeah, I mean, definitely not that I'm going to discuss with you over this podcast. <laughs> but uh, you'll have to catch me another day on that. Uh, okay, well that's fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us, John. You've been a fantastic guest. Got through loads. And um, thanks for listening and tune in next week. We've got another guest. Thank you. Okay. Thank